what the center is talking about is allowing all of these entities that support this uh, to provide streaming stuff going on on the, on the internet. Now the internet, you know, let's go back. Internet started with, with a concept of local to local connections across the country, uh, and, and uh, you, you could go for Air Alaska, but you only had you had to go through con local connections to get there. The industry wisely provided for uh, streaming uh, for in effect a new kind of long distance and, and that's what we've got we've got a service that's immune to distance anyone that wants to use the, the, this system for massive massive com uh, uh, commercial purposes there's one company now you, you can you can get, sign up and you can get a, a, a movie delivered to your house daily by, by, by subscription by, by delivery service okay uh, and, and currently it comes to your house you put in the mailbox when you get home and annually or monthly you, you change your order but you pay for that right this service is now going to go through the internet and what you do is you just go to, to a place on the internet and, and you, you order your, your movie and guess what you can order 10 of them and, and it's delivered to you and this delivery charge is free right 10 movies streaming across that, that inter internet and what happens to your own personal internet? I, I just the other day got internet was sent by my staff at 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday. I got it yesterday. Why? Because it got tangled up with all of these things that are going on the internet. Let me tell you something. See, we want to talk about it. Let me talk about you and me. Let we me use the internet for communication. We want to, we, we're not using it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell but they want to deliver vast amounts of information over the internet and again the internet is not something that you just dump something on it's not a big truck it's, it's a series of tubes greetings grapple fans it's time once again for another dose of philosophizing about what the ancient greeks used to do as a great sport and the weird deformed 21st century abomination that it is today and much like socrates and plato we'll be philosophizing about this absurd spectacle until the cows come home were there cows in that time in greece of course there were zeus turned into one to try to shag a pretty girl but we're not talking about greek myths we're talking about the modern myths but it still has muscly men rolling around on the floor yes it's let me tell you something i'm your co-host Lorcan Mullen and with me as always is the Jack Briscoe to my Jerry Briscoe, the Mark Briscoe to my Jay Briscoe, the Wes Briscoe to my Garrett Bischoff, Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing, mate? I'm doing good, um, mainly because we're heading towards our end of season finale within the wrestling world, uh, WrestleMania, so that that is naught but a couple of days away as we record. Well, we better get on with our subject at hand then, Simon, because we've got a doozy of one, a big one. We're going to be discussing the internet. Yes, the entire internet, and how it's affected the world of wrestling in the 20 or so years that it's been in common parlance. But unfortunately, Simon, you and I are not particularly authoritative voices on how you can make a success combining these two differing worlds. Um, if only we had someone here that 
maybe knew something about how you could combine the world of wrestling and the internet together in order to make something that gets people talking and gets people interested. Now, where would we find such a gentleman? <laughs> I'm not sure, Simon, but I think this guy that's joined our conversation might just be able to help us. Actually, I'm certain he'll be able to help us because his name is Matthew Gregg, but you may also know him as Matthew, the genius behind the Botchamania videos. Matthew, thank you so much for taking time out of what is probably a busy week for yourself to talk to us about this topic. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. Not since Joel Gertner circa 1998 have I heard such an <laughs> amazing introduction. <laughs> um, I'm quite fine, Mr. Simon and Mr. Lorcan, if that is your real name. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for having me today. Well, people here listening at home or on their stereos. <laughs> yeah, that, that plays like us. Um, this is my real accent. Do not adjust. Now, Matthew, uh, one of the things about the show is that we are a cross-generational podcast. As you can tell by my wizened, whiskey-soaked voice, I am a old man of 31 years old. Yes, my age does correspond with the WrestleManias. I'm not saying I'm proud of that fact, but I am proud of that fact. Whereas, Simon, you are a young whippersnapper of 23, is it, at the moment? Uh, 23, 24 in two months. So I'm, I'm, I'm approaching my uh, birthday mania. Uh, Matthew, I think you fall between those two pillars. You're in your mid-twenties, or is this now? are you now in your dreaded late-twenties? I am the dreaded age of 27, which was not oh. a good WrestleMania. Um, and I'm, at the point, I'm at the point in my life when, growing up in a small northeast town, I um, generally should be a granddad at this stage. People's <laughs> babies. So um, I'm not a granddad, but, you know, I might as well try. But yeah, you sound a lot younger than me, 31-year-old person, so uh, fair play to you. But now let's get on to the matter at hand, the internet. Now, I didn't have regular access to the internet until I left for university during my whole time as um, a kid. Uh, we didn't, we couldn't afford the internet. The internet was, you were know, paying by the minute back in those days, and it was something we just simply couldn't afford. Now, Simon, as a younger person, did you have regular access to the internet a bit more frequently and, and was able to use that to find out information about wrestling? See, this is a little bit different, because I didn't get the internet until I was about 16, 17. So, for most... Of my younger days, when I was initially hearing about wrestling and generally anything like you know women and <laughs> their ways, it was uh, just a case of borrowing an occasional DVD from a mate and uh, just watching it over and over again until I knew it inside <laughs> out. Yeah, and uh, Matthew, is that the same for you? What was your internet access like? Yeah, I'm the same as you, Mr. Lawton. Um I'm of the age where I grew up with dial-up and only got it when I was about twelve-ish. So. You know, the experience of watching a, an image load up pixel by pixel, line by line is then embedded in my head. And when I worked on the phones at a place that sold Internet, explained them that their area was only capable of getting 20 megabytes per second. Um, they would go, oh, that's not much, you know. Christ, that's nearly dial up. I'll have to casually remind them. No, mate. No, it isn't. It's hard to remember all the websites you went on before things like YouTube and Facebook became mm. the premier number one and two websites. Um, but a lot of geocities.com slash this, 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 slash this, 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 slash wrestletapes dot uh, I definitely remember them. Yeah, like I said, with me, it was very much a case we didn't have the internet at home. 
uh, we once got a PC magazine with a CD saying free internet access and we put the CD in and didn't understand why that didn't immediately give us internet access. We, we didn't have anything at home, but uh, the school library, they had a computer, which you'd try and get a few minutes on with the queue behind you to get to go onto your websites. And there was one IT room, one computer room that I was able to get access to because I said I was going to try and start a school newsletter, which I never really bothered doing. And I just remember kids coming in and out. I remember one uh, at the time, because uh, Tomb Raider was the big f game, there was um, there were these kids and they were sitting together playing Tomb Raider and one of them was going to the other, no, 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 it's left, left, right, up, down, left, and, and jump, jump, and left. Because there was like some combination that apparently meant you could play the game where Lara Croft was, took all her clothes off. Oh um, man, you could do an entire thing on the, the the cheats you thought you heard through the playground and all the <laughs> websites that cropped up online during that. Man, that's a good memory. That maps into memory lane. Yeah, yeah. Nude Raider. Uh, that was <laughs> one. Oh, <laughs> Playing as the Spice Girls in various PlayStation 1 games was a thing as well. Like there was some sort of master code that you could play as. It's like any game, like Crash Bandicoot, you could play as the Spice Girls. It was just amazing stuff like that. It was, actually a game, it was actually a video games uh, cheat magazine, which if you're old enough to remember that being a subgenre of computer magazines, that had a top mm -hmm. ten list every month of the stupidest <laughs> fake cheat or that people have been spreading around. That was and uh, if my memory doesn't fail me, the paragon of journalistic integrity at that time, uh, was it a, a bloke called is it Namrud, was it? Bloody Man. hell, it, I'm liking this podcast already, Namrud. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, that's, uh, I have a very limited knowledge of computer games, that's about as much as we'll get to, and, and when we start talking about Botchmania, uh, that will become clear. Um, but just going back to websites and, and what we used at the start of our internet uh, usage, uh, Simon, what were some of the websites you went to? Did you stick to the official channels, the WWE.com, or did you very quickly go further afield to find out new and more exciting information? This is showing my uh, youthfulness, not only by <laughs> me not knowing entirely what GeoCities was, <laughs> uh, but uh, by the time I had the, got access to the internet, it was already WWE.com, and that was my main port of call for a while, and then I stumbled across a uh, Wrestling Rumours website, because most of my internet access was either at the library or at home. And I remember stumbling across it one day and then just reading about all, like, peeking behind the curtain around this time. Because it was around the time I had a bit of a TNA obsession as well. And there wasn't really much knowledge to go on. So I spent most of my time just trying to, like, find out more about TNA and this other world through this Wrestling Rumors website. Rather than going to the official channel, which was really weird. But, um, I really, I really liked the fact that Aside from the uh, official glossy magazines, you've got this sort of sordid gossip column, sort of like a uh, Hello or Heat magazine of wrestling online. Yeah, um, um, Matthew, what was some of your simile? Was it started with the WWF's website and then moving further afield? Or uh, can you remember yourself? I like the idea of there being a thing called Heat magazine of wrestling. It's like, well, it needs to be different there in that, that type of thing. Um, my first wrestling website experience was somehow finding WrestleCrap mm -hmm. uh, by googling Aldo Montoya and I can't remember why I think I was trying to show my friend my wrestling knowledge look I know who Aldo Montoya is look I will ask Jeeves him that was, that was, <laughs> a, ver that was a verb that never really took off 
Did you alter Vista your way into this website? I did, I did, yes. Um, I found myself there and no one knew, like, why. And it was just like going, hang on, and this is website dedicated to this. And it was, WrestleCrap, really for people my age in this period, and maybe yourself as well, though, can really um, open a lot of doors and eyes. It's like, oh, wow, they're talking about that guy that we're not supposed to really talk about or remember, you know. Yeah. Or I remember that crap gimmick. Like, what happened with that, you know, and all this? And it was like, mm. a, wow, online, you can have this opinion about this. Ooh, you know, it's like, you know. Like it, you know, it's like the, the, the teacher at your school's gone home and the <laughs> substitute teacher's in and you can do whatever you like. But uh, after that, regularly, uh, 401 Mania became my way of getting news because mm-hmm. um, there used to be good writers on there. Um, it's a bit of a train wreck nowadays. There is one good writer there. There's a guy called Len Archibald and he is got to the point where he's maybe a bit pretentious, but it is... Suddenly, a weird thing to see on 411. Wait, there's someone here with well founded opinions. And it, it, this is not the 411 I'm used to. Yeah, it, it, it was good seeing the downfall of 411, specifically in a bunch of articles. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Logan, you might remember it or you may not. That what if Owen Hart was a ghost or oh. it was some article like that? And it just like the, the, amount, the amount of comments that were like, you can appreciate it with satire, but holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Do you know what's crazy? Like, what if, what if GFG killed Bruiser Brody? You know, like, oh, you know, it's like great. The Onion's that way, mate. This is like, not the Onion. It's a wrong audience, and it wasn't that funny or whatever the point was. It was like, all right. Uh, so those were the first two, and then the WrestlingFan.com, which is. No longer updated, but is still the funniest wrestling-related website out there. Huge loads of archives on there. I can cheap look that as much as possible. I have no connection to it whatsoever, but yeah, holy shit. So please check out the wrestlingfan.com. <laughs> I would go on forum1.com. There, there were three sources for my information at this time. There was the internet, and there was also Power Slam magazine. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a real education for me. And it was also, at the time... What got me to these different websites was the Channel 4 Teletext page oh. dedicated to wrestling rumours. Some of the most outlandish bullshit you've ever heard. Like, Bret Hart was coming back every other month to feud with The Rock or feud with Triple H. And uh, Chris Jericho was going to come back and he well, was going to debut and he was going to be the guy behind GTV. And they changed the spelling of his name to Chris Jericho with a G. And that's what the G in GTV stood for. All these bullshit rumours that they clearly have just made up. And I think on the, on the last page you get the, the you get an ad for a website that will give even more outlandish rumours for you. And I think that was what got me on to WrestleZone.com. That seems where I go at the start. And then from WrestleZone back then there will be links to loads of different pages. Everyone just shared links to each other. And at the bottom of a news story on WrestleZone.com, of every news story, they would have these sensationalist headlines saying, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to retire and move to England to look after his two daughters. This is definitely happening. This Go to our website and you will read all about it. And, you know, just at that age, your, your fandom, you could happen at any age, 10, 21, whatever you are. You're naive at that point. You haven't been smartened up. And these were the wild 
deadwood days of the internet. Everything seemed possible. And then gradually, I guess, you become setting your ways. Um, maybe you follow certain writers. I became obsessed with smarts.com and the writers on there, like Scott Keith and the Scotsman specifically. There was another guy, I can't remember his other name, but he, his thing was called Rolling Germans, and he did Japanese wrestling tapes. He reviewed those. And then that led you to deathvalleydriver.com. But I'm just I'm just listing websites at this point. I'm, I'm giving people homework to go when to go on webarchive.org. But I suppose it's just you're going on a journey and you don't quite know where you're going to end up. And you'll encounter all these crazy websites along the way. But I stuck with the Smarks and then they move over to 411. And then I really mostly stuck with Scott Keith. Um, he's the writer I'm most loyal to. When I wrote my book, uh, I think there was a clear Scott Keith influence within there. So let's get to Watcher Mania. I think anyone who's listening to this, is listening to this for the first time, is here to talk to, listen to you, Matthew, and uh, what you gain with success. I suppose, like how I was influenced by Scott Keith in my writing, were there any videos or any video editors online that? influenced you or certain music videos into trying it out yourself on Botchamania? Not really. Um, the a very uh, beginning of YouTube taking off. I think YouTube mm. debuted a few years earlier, but in, in 2006, was what, uh, 2007 is when I discovered it and got into it. I'm like, oh, wow, videos online. This you know, this is what, just what the internet needed, to be honest. Um, as opposed to having to go like, to archive.org and searching something and hopefully getting a clip. Um some guys uploaded it, which meant that he had to get his video capture card, get his VHS out, then convert it. And God knows how he would have done that in 2002, but it would have <laughs> taken a lot of effort. Um, and YouTube came along. It was like, ha ha, what a waste of time. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, what was I going with this? So, yeah, I wasn't looking at anybody's videos because there wasn't any to look at at this point. Yeah. Um, there were certainly other music videos about wrestling, but they were all, you know, set to Slipknot or Disturbed <laughs> or Creed and it was all like, you know, in this clip, Undertaker throws the hell, uh, the of Hell in a Cell and then in this next music video, Undertaker throws <laughs> My God of Hell in a Cell, you know, there's only five clips you can find online so I deliberately yeah. avoided them. Um, my influences, the videos, once it got into a groove and found itself, were more towards um, the other websites I was looking at at that time in terms of uh, humour and entertainment which were you're the man now dog dot com, um, which you no longer log at, but the memories of getting <laughs> sometimes just have friends round and go on that website and look at the random pages and laughing like idiots, and then having to explain it to someone else and failing miserably, just going look look you can either trust us a bit about this or just leave it alone, um, and eventually when that become more of a thing, uh, YouTube poops, um, again not all of them because there's millions at this point but uh the good ones would make you laugh hard and you go oh that's, that's a good thing to you know homage or just like borrow and more just comedy in general i mean one notice the differences watching a lot of american comedy it's more like joke 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 and then british comedy is more like oh let's you know let's play with the silence sometimes mm-hmm. you know let's let's have nothing happening and it's the reaction and mm-hmm. some of the most uh what's a word that means that it got a positive and negative reaction um Divisive, I'd say. Thank you very much. Um, divisive videos have been ones that have had they're deliberately used as little as possible. Um, the best example of what I'm trying to explain here, as mumbly as possible, is the shocking debuts 
sections of the videos where it showcases some guy's awful first appearance. <laughs> and it's uh, the Shockmaster and his wall. <laughs> it's always, that's that's the opening clip. It's always been like a song that I, da 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 and it'll come through the wall. <laughs> well, one time I used the, um, fuck me, what's it called? Uh, tequila song, which goes something like, da 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 <laughs> but I played the whole thing because it's, it's only got one word in it tequila so it's like tequila comes through the wall um, but the only thing that's on the video at this time is just the shot of the wall <laughs> there's nothing happening and I laughed a lot at the idea of doing this and just, you know, when you were able to read YouTube comments and that was actually a good way of seeing if someone liked the video or not, as opposed to now where you watch any video on YouTube and you scroll down all these stuff about hating black people in the comments. For some reason. Um, it's not my fault, that's true. Um, <laughs> but in the YouTube, yeah, back then you could look at it and there were just as many people going, oh man, I laughed at that because I knew what was happening. It was going to happen and, you know, the suspense and all that. And just as many people going, you made me look at a fucking JPEG of a wall. <laughs> so yeah there's a great line I remember from an interview with Terry Gilliam where he said I don't want to make films that people think are okay I want people to either think they that they love my films or that they hate my films if I made what I guess you would say was the equivalent of a three star film I failed so let's talk quickly about YouTube so, Simon, when YouTube came into existence, you were 13 years old. Whereas, for me, it came into existence around the time I left university. It was weird because it seemed to take off immediately. Because it's been around now for 10 years, and it does feel like YouTube was a big deal in 2005-06. And so, it was so immediate, and it changed everything, and it changed the influence that YouTube must have had now on a generation of wrestling fans, especially younger ones like yourself, Simon, is that you have access to so much stuff so quickly. Like, if we want to talk about Japanese wrestling, I went to Strong Style Video... Oh my god, Strong <laughs> ...emailed them to request a copy of Super J Cup 94, having to mail them a cheque... I got that from Strong Style. Sorry to interrupt, Ruby. I got that from Strong Style. It was the first thing I got from him. It worked. Um, and then I never got one from him again because every time on the website it said, no longer taking orders. And yeah. some people have told me that he was because he was being threatened with legal action. And some people mm. told me he was a lazy bastard. The story I heard about him was that I had emailed him about getting Ring of Honor tapes, and he said that they couldn't sell them, and you only seem to be able to get them through the States, so I didn't really know how to get them. And But then I heard this story that at the FWA cross-promotional show with Ring of Honor in 2003, Strong Style Video had a stand that they had at all FWA shows, and the basically the guy... If you gave him almost a secret code, he would pass them secretly a, a Ring of Honor tape and sell it to them. And, and then Rob Feinstein found out during the show and all hell broke loose. That's the, that's the legend that I heard about what might have happened and what led to the demise of Strong Style Video. Um, I really hope that's true, but wow. Yeah. A lot of fucking cojones to, <laughs> to yeah. do that as the company's right in front of him. To be unfair, though, for Rob Feinstein to get angry at someone else for using someone's copyrighted property is a bit, you know... 
say, like, it, yeah, Rob, you know. And also, Rob, Rob Feinstein. sued by WWF twice and WWE <laughs> once, Feinstein. Hi. Super J Cup, just quickly, did your Super J Cup video at the start of it have a trailer of a Jushin Thunder Liger video and Kijimuto video? Honestly, I can't remember off the top of my head. Because the reason I remember that is that we were talking about this in a previous episode, that the cross-cultural influences, uh, and there was, there was, it was realising the effect the British, the English language had around the world, because it was a video of Jushin Thunder Liger, and at the end of it, it was like, Shundimanato, Sindimanato, Jushin Thunder Liger, now on sale! It's like, does the Japanese not have now on sale in their own language? This is what um, Soccer AM used to do. They used to highlight, that's sort of a blast from the past. My, my brain's really circumcised on um, 2001, 2002 culture now. But Soccer AM yeah. is a thing where they, do, they try to get bounce back ability. In the <laughs> and, but then they show clips of like um, uh, the German football league. I can't remember the name of right now. Um, and yeah, they'd be like, oh, the Deutschland, the, 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 the bounce back ability. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I remember another clip. Uh, we're just doing nostalgia here, but we'll get back to it. It was just another clip of a foreign. I think it was on fancy football, and they always they were saying about how English commentators have struggled with foreign language, and it was this foreign commentary, and it was like Sundamayo, Sanna, Steve, Magna, Manaman, But yeah, YouTube. Um. Now, for you, Simon, as a 13-year-old, you were just able to go on YouTube, type in Super J Cup, Jushin Thunder Liger, Kijimuto, Kabashi, Misawa, Kawada, and you could find these videos. Did you take advantage of that, or did you just not know about it still? Um, well, when I was... I didn't know about YouTube for the first couple of years, but but when I started going on it, I didn't really, like, look for the Japanese greats, because I was about, like, 15, 16, that age where... It seems to, everyone seems to go for. A, I don't know if everyone went through this phase, but around fifteen, sixteen, wrestling wasn't wrestling unless someone was put through a burning table or had a light tube <laughs> smacked yeah. over them. So I was, yeah, I'd um, just heard about combat zone wrestling through Power Slam. So I remember watching a lot of uh, ultra ultraviolet tournament of death videos and uh, highlight packages to like really dark, like speed or thrash metal. Yeah, <laughs> just you know that all could. The law here again. CCW. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good memories. Um, well, when I was, I didn't know about YouTube for the first couple of years, but but when I started going on it, I didn't really like look for the Japanese greats because I was about like fifteen, sixteen, that age where. It seems to, everyone seems to go through. I don't know if everyone went through this phase, but around fifteen, sixteen, wrestling wasn't wrestling unless someone was put through a burning table or had a light tube <laughs> smacked yeah. over them. So I was, I'd um, just heard about combat zone wrestling through Power Slam. So I remember watching a lot of uh, ultra ultraviolet tournament of death videos and uh, highlight packages to like really dark, like speed or thrash metal. Yeah, <laughs> just you know that awkward. Here's the law here again. CCW. Ah, good memories. I was a rocker growing up, and still am to an extent, but. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Now I'm 27. I much prefer listening to, you know, 80s or 70s classic rock and, mm. you know, all that 2001 shit. Like, I do like going to rock clubs. I go to rock club every once a week or twice a week or whatever. But it's always good to see when they play Disturbed, Down With The Sickness, which is obviously played at a rock club because you have to play Disturbed because the rock gods get angry, etc. Um, and it is a very catchy song, you know, distorted guitars and all this. But midway through the song... He starts going on a rant about how much he hates his mum, 
and it's dark. It's very, very dark. And you can't exactly dance to it or do much to it. So I just stop what I'm doing. I put my pint down and just stare at like everyone else around me just to see what they do. And it's just like, yeah, surprise every time. It's like, no, mommy, don't do it again. It's, it's like, oh, it's grim. It really is. Well, it's that classic reappropriation of the... Uh, lyrics from Killing in the Name of Rage Against the Machine, you know, fuck you, I won't tidy my bedroom. Fuck you, I won't tidy my bedroom. Oh, man, I was Because like that song got hyped up in Kerrang! magazine like it was the fucking stairway to heaven of young kids <laughs> or whatever. I'm like, wow, Killing in the Name of gets a lot of praise. And when I heard it, I'm like, there's only two lyrics in this song. <laughs> and I could probably play this on guitar, and I can't <laughs> play fucking guitar. And I'm very disappointed and very, you know, Turned on Rage Against Machine that day. I'm like, is that it? I, uh, I'm not a metalhead particularly, even though I'm from Birmingham, the home of metal. But I did go to uh, Eddie's Nightclub, which is a heavy metal bar on Halloween. And I thought, you know, get to see sexy zombie nurses and the like. And one of whom went up to me and sort of said that I was very cute. And I said, that's exactly what you want to hear on the day before your 30th birthday. It turns out that was the wrong thing to say, and she walks away very quickly after that. <laughs> um, but I also witnessed the sight of a bunch of people dressed at Halloween time. To, I don't know what the metal song was, but they were doing the Macarena to it. And I was like, either this is brilliant irony, or you really don't get what you're supposed to be into. Uh, it was a very odd sight. Um, but let's get back to Botchamania. Nah. Now... <laughs> It's overrated. Now let's talk about... <laughs> what Botchamania is brilliant at, I'm going to be doing some ass kissing at the next minute or so, but um, to start off with, my brother and me got into a big argument about Quentin Tarantino. He hates Quentin Tarantino now because he says he just steals stories and characters and plots from other films, and he doesn't come up with anything original. And then I made the counterpoint that one of his favourite artists is DJ Shadow, and he made an album called Introducing, which was a very important album in instrumental hip-hop and sampling uh, world, and it was entirely made of samples. It was the first album that was made of music that had been previously recorded. So, to me, Tarantino is like DJ Shadow. The... the he takes other works of art and then presents them in a different context and turning it into something else. And I think that's what Botchamania is. It's taking... To me, Botchamania is like going inside the mind of a wrestling fan, a nerdy wrestling fan, and just... It's almost a stream of consciousness because it's images and it's from different worlds and different cultures and the music that's playing is computer game music or what have you. I'm, I'm not into computer games, so there might be jokes within Botchamania that I'm not getting, but then just as quickly you'll do a video that's a reference. It's references on top of references on top of references. It, it, it like the classic one that you do over loads of episodes of the Japanese table that won't be broken and it's an evil Japanese table but it was now a British promotion that you were showing the video from so instead of it being the laugh track taken from a monster movie a Godzilla movie it's a clip of Rick Mail as Lord Flashheart going ah ha 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 with a twirly moustache and a monocle on the table and yeah, is is that your intention to just make it 
these weird collages of images and sounds that you really bombard the viewer. Is, is that right, or am I completely wrong? No, that was a beautiful summary of it, really. The stream of consciousness of a wrestling fan. You know, it's, um, I would like to consider it a good wrestling fan, um, because one thing, obviously, I think what I was talking about this discussion being related to the internet is there's a shitload of negativity when it comes to being a wrestling fan and being online. Something I have been very guilty of in the past, certainly, but one in 2015, I have very little interest in doing, um, unless I'm making a stupid joke about it, which I have no issues with whatsoever and don't plan on stopping. Um, so yeah, the stream of consciousness through my head is that, and it's for my ego, it's really bad because People go, wow, where do your ideas come from? It's like, well, it's generally stuff I'm watching at this minute on the art life that I put in video form and people tell me it's good. It, it's really bad. For, like Right now, like I'll walk around thinking, yeah, I'm king shit here, you know, like <laughs> and the basis of that. And then people are like, oh, you know, can you, Griff Matthew, you're the best. You're the greatest. I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you considered putting, and I'll insert what they like, like, can you consider putting My Little Pony in the video? And I'll be like, fuck off. <laughs> and then like, they'll do a 180. They'll be like Big Show, and they'll be like, "Fuck you, Matthew. Your videos are terrible. You haven't been good since 2008." Um, so it's awkward because it's you know it's this weird thing of pleasing an audience of wrestling fans who some of them are looking just a bitch at some things and go, "Look, look, this match was terrible. See, I said it was terrible. Look, it's in Botchamania." But then they get annoyed when I don't feature the matches that are just bad. You know, there's like, you know, if a match is just 20 minutes of wrestle, it's hard to put that into a video. So people are like, you know, this does not fully represent me as a wrestling fan. I'm like, I know, because <laughs> you're miserable. Um, so, yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, some of these things have a great plan behind them and they work. Some things are just purely by accident. But either way, it's made with love. I think you've just touched on the core point there of uh, what the Internet has become in some ways, not just for wrestling, but for society. It's like a very... Uh, it's a very easy way of like finding things that are similar to your opinion. And when something successful isn't your opinion, people seem, because they're online, just to like, want to attack it for no disconcernable reason. It's like they hate what they don't really particularly understand or agree with. Right, right. I mean, someone has a really good uh, blog I follow called Wings Over Scotland. That's written by a former um, Amiga Power scribe who's now turned to politics. And he does it in such a way, I'm like, wow, one day I want to be, you know, one-eighth the good writer is this guy, if I'm lucky. And one thing he put on the thing was um, the... Uh, oh, fucking hell. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting words today. I'm still a bit under the weather. The, the dignity, let's go with that. The dignity of video games magazines and their opinions, you know, i.e. You, you buy a magazine and you expect it to give the opinion valid, not just, oh, this company gave us a load of money. Yeah, this this game's the best game ever. Ha, ha, ha. Which did happen on occasion, famously. Um, like Rise of the Robot. Fuck that game. Um, and he said he said it really well. It's just like you want to feel like the opinion that uh, the magazine's coming out with is valid because you're putting your money into it, you're committing to it. So there are times where it's worrying when I'm there fretting, going, "People have been watching my stuff for years. I don't want to come out and do a segment on something that people are gonna, just going to go, oh, Matthew, you shouldn't have done that.' You know, either for you know, Matthew, how could you make that that botch? You know, that was a very important." moment you know if he if he hadn't botched he would have got the contract but he didn't and now he's poor and penniless and he's fu fucking dogs in the sideways for money <laughs> you you killed his man he's killed his man's career matthew <laughs> on the other side is you know the the negative nancy's who are going 
why didn't you make more fun of that moment? <laughs> we thought we could trust you for a cheap laugh, Matthew, and it turns out you're just a PC brigade git. You know? um, Without... Why don't you go write for BBC in the 80s? Um, so it's, um, <laughs> if only. Yeah, like Ben, yeah, ben Elton sellout. So, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, you're right. And so I, uh, the best... And I, I'm sorry, I'm telling this in a rant, but the best bit of advice I got from uh, my days of education, I still remember this day, was to keep your brain analytical and keep it going. This is good. This is almost cardio for your brain. If you like something, be it a film, wrestling, music, whatever, see how it can be criticized or disliked by others, even if you like it, and do the same for other things. So there's countless times where I'm going, well, the ending was blown, match went on too long, um, really shouldn't have been in that place in the card and somebody's saying oh do you not like it Matthew I'm like what are you talking about match of the year so um, <laughs> that's what keeps me going and it's but you know the online it's just it's just extremes there is no such thing as oh that match could have you know it was almost there it was almost there it's, it's almost it's either that match was the worst match since Russo 2000 or this match was the best match since PWG 2013 you know so. The reason I come up with this idea of doing uh, specific topics for a podcast is that if I had to... There's great podcasts out there I listen to where I watch the week's wrestling, and it clearly is driving them slightly insane. And if I had to watch three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, and every pay-per-view, I'd blow my fucking brains out, and I don't want to do that. I... I as I said to you once before, Simon, between about 2002 2006, I just let the world of WWE be. It was of no great interest to me. I, I read the results and um, I'd catch up on the good matches by looking around on Mega Upload or the like. But I was just turning to, more, more than anything else, Ring of Honor. And that's what I think is the important thing. You've got to... There's so much sound and there's so much out there. You've got to... It's very easy to block out the bad stuff, and I, 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 I you know, I, I entertain myself by watching the good matches and the funny things like Botchamania. And I mean, I've come to the conclusion that the current WWE, that the WWE is never going to be as good as it can be as long as it's being run by Vincent Mann. We're at the Star Wars prequel era, where the creative genius that made this is now responsible for its undoing and until that person is out of that position of power it's not going to get significantly better but the beauty of the internet is that there's so much there to occupy you you can go to pwg chikara wherever new japan wherever is is that the same with you though simon that you you run out of interest in the wwe you, you look to ulterior you look for alternative um material to to keep you uh, entertained um not as such i am that uh guy who lives the existence that would drive you to blow your brains out i am the guy that watches uh the raw the smackdown the nxt uh not main event i have limits um but, <laughs> but uh, i i i engross myself in the product although i did have a period away uh around the wrestlemania 26 27 time um before coming back uh so i did at one point just go it's just not grabbing me at that moment. I think it was during that flat period where every other pay-per-view was a Cena-Orton title match. I was just like, well, I've, I've, we've, we've done this. Uh, um, I sort of left the world of WWE for a while, and I didn't really 
engage. I mean, I kept up to date with Power Slam. I still bought Power Slam religiously, but I didn't really engage with it through the medium of the internet. Now, however, I feel what with the network, um, if I left, if I got bored with the current product, there is so much to keep me occupied that I'd comfortably stay within wrestling a lot more than I did the last time I had a, uh, it's not, not a breakup, but, um, a pause from it, so to speak. Now, Matthew, with you, wrestling is, at least in part, your bread and butter. So, is there ever a point where you worry that you're watching something because it's your job, and that if it weren't your job, you'd have switched off? Is that ever been a worry, that, that the only reason you're watching this is that there might be clips that I can use in a video about potential screw-ups in this match? Has that ever worried you? Has that ever led to you almost, almost questioning what you were doing? Sometimes, yeah. Um, Raw is something I watch, but it's always like uh, the day afterwards, because obviously the time difference is over here in the UK. Um, so I can speed it up. I can play at 1.2 speed, so I can miss all the exposition. You know, it's, it's, it's great. It's like we have a drinking game. It's like take a shot every time you know there's exposition, and it's like this weird mechanical... Daniel Bryan, as you all know, we face each other in three weeks at the <laughs> WWE pay-per-view in the Steel Cage Steel Cage Showdown event, which is available on the WWE Network, nine ninety nine. <laughs> and I feel very angry about this. What do you? F- <laughs> well, in three weeks' time in the Steel Cage, we'll see who was the best. You know, it's like ah, fucking hell. Um, but there is a lot of good on the program. Um, you know, when I want to enjoy Raw, I will. Um, and there's plenty to. Not enjoy if if you're in that mood. It's it's weird. It's one of those uh, one of those pictures you look at, and it's either a rabbit or a duck on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> either, fucking hell! I hope someone gets that. Um, yeah, it's like yeah. If you want to enjoy it, you will. If you don't enjoy it, you won't enjoy it. Um, yeah. Um, but the joy of wrestling is when it's bad, you remember it. Um, mm-hmm. The worst thing wrestling can be, in all honesty, is boring or dull. Um, when it's great, you go, oh my god, this is what it's about, this is great, you know, like when Survivor Series happened last year, um, me and my friends were watching it, and I knew what was going to happen, because it was the day after the event, um, my mate had just not gone online, um, but I knew, watched it again with him, and as soon as Sting came out, he started jumping up and down, and grabbed me and my friend, and was like, yeah, he was <laughs> so full of joy, he had to actually physically jump up and down like a man, um, but when it's bad, holy, you remember it, yeah, you go, oh my god! You know, remember TNA? You know, like, ah. <laughs> um, and to me, oh, it's a good thing. You know, it's you know that's why Russell Crap. There's the like the timeline of when it happens. You go, holy shit! What is this? And then like for two years afterwards, like that was the worst thing. Do you remember that? And then like three years later, you're like, <laughs> remember that? Oh, that was mint. <laughs> I go a- on YouTube that terrible moment. <laughs> I had, a, I had a moment recently which sums up that exact point because uh, one of my friends, he's got back in he was interesting as a child but only really got back into it in the last year or so but he's like super into it now he's subscribed to the network he's an nxt watcher he's really into his wwe again and he obviously our truth's career has been on like the wane um pretty much throughout his entire wwe run i remember once we were watching him on telly i went he had a title match you know uh against john cena at capital punishment it's like no he didn't it's like he did <laughs> uh, he, he actually did next thing you know i'm typing it into the network and i'm I'm looking at it like, I know this is a bad match. I know I'm going to watch it and not enjoy it. But I have to prove to him that this happened and I went through it as well. 
So there I am just typing in the network, playing away. And that's a brilliant thing. Before you'd have to go to YouTube, then like some videos would be taken down due to like copyright infringement or what have you. Uh, but now it's just like a few clicks away. And I know it sounds a bit like I'm shilling the network and that's not how I want to come across at all. But I think it's just a great way of... the. It's just proof that the internet is a great way of not having to go through... Um, the tape traders that you guys did. Yeah, I, I didn't have. I never had to use Strong Style, which sounds like a weird wrestling equivalent of Love right. Film. Okay, <laughs> Nobody did Rob Feinstein. <laughs> Actually, though, can it also weirdly be too much of a good thing? We're talking about, you know, sifting through the crap because sitting through the crap because we f- feel compelled to, or they literally have to because it's their business, but. Then can there be a pleasure overload, like too much of a good thing? There's so many shows on Netflix that I want to watch that I don't know where to start. I just rewatched Parks and Rec from the start recently, and then before then I'd watched Thirty Rock from the start. And it's because I know there's that I could have spent those hours watching something that I haven't watched before, like a Long Ken Burns documentary series or Every Thirty for Thirty or Treme. I'm just never in the mood for Treme. But there's weirdly there's so much at your fingertips that it can be overwhelming. It was something I asked Simon in the first episode, and I'm now going to ask you, Matthew. Is it too much of a good thing? And can a young wrestling fan now appreciate it in the same way that we did? Because we had to work hard to get our hands on the good matches, the good shows. They can just watch whatever they want, whenever they want, and they may be utterly indifferent to it. They won't necessarily know the significance behind it. They they may watch the Super J Cup 94 on Daily Motion, but they'll only be half watching it because they'll be on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is these youngsters do now. Do, do you envy this generation or do you feel sorry for them or what? I'm glad I'm of the generation that I am. You know, one that, that appreciates the value of the internet and realises it's not this thing that exists in the airwaves that we're grabbing with net. Um, and yeah, it, it, I wouldn't say, uh, pity or in the negative terms you do, but it's looking at the studies they're doing about how, um, short term memory is declining. And I'm saying that obviously when I've forgotten two fucking words at least, and these rants I'm doing, but, uh, <laughs> everyone's a hypocrite. Um, <laughs> it's weird seeing the change, like gradually on a day by day basis of how this generation, or sorry, the, well, I guess which, whichever generation is, the one that's going to be before, uh, after me, um, is interacting with their media, is watching TV, is getting the things they want. You're right, it's, you know, Twitter in one hand, TV in the other, smartphone on their lap, you know, it's like, ah. Um, and I've been telling people for a while, it's like, if I was growing up nowadays, I don't know what the fuck I'd be into. You know, um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't play games anywhere near as much as I did as a kid because there's no love in the the big media ones now because it's all fucking orange and blue game shoot 'em ups. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this game is really real. It had the writer of The Godfather Part Five. It had you know <laughs> Brad Pitt's balls have been motion captured into it. But my like, great is the game any good? And I was like, well, no, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's why I'm glad Steam exists. So it it's weird and. Again, it's about what people message me all the time because when I'm working from a laptop for a while, I'll have Twitter open. I will. I'm guilty of it, but 
and it's the very, uh, oh, I'm holier than thou because I can use the social media better than you, but I really can because if I'm watching a TV show like, for example, Better Cold Soul, I'll switch everything off. I'll have, I don't want anything to run, run me. I'll get a cup of tea. I'll get some food. I'll be like, right, fuck off. Like, I don't want to be like taken for, oh, I am watching Better Call Saul. Like, no, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> no, I won't be doing stuff like that. But then I'll see other people doing it. And part of you is like, do I want to be the, like, you brought up some philosophers at the very start of this. It's like the, um, the simile of the cave. You know, do you want to be the guy who leaves the cave and goes out and is blinded by the light and goes, tries to go back in the cave? But his eyesight's all bad, and he's trying to talk to people, no, there's life outside this cave, you can do it this way, and the people in the cave are like, fuck off, you blind bastard. <laughs> um, you know, it's that, oh, shall I accept, shall I, you know, be like the body snatchers, and just be like, yes, come on, one of us, give me, hand me my Twitter, hand me <laughs> my Instagram, <laughs> you know, all this, hand me my uh, whatever the fuck. It's, um, so it's interesting seeing how civilization is changing, and when it comes to wrestling as well, it's the biggest negative I'm finding now is the instant gratification style of watching wrestling, where everything on an episode of Raw needs to be analysed there and then. And I'm always telling people, and it's become um, on the Scott Keith website, as you named dropped before, it's become yeah. a negative term, which I don't understand, which is let's play it out and see where it goes. Yeah. Which they use as a joke because people are going defending um, Brock Lesnar losing against John Cena on his return because it was like, no, let's see where it goes. And it went nowhere. And that phrase became a joke. But I'm like, I disagreed with that because I was of the opinion, well, no, let's see if there's anything to follow it up with because yeah. this is a show that's on every week. Mm-hmm. It's not, right, this is the story. It's this is chapter one or chapter two and you wouldn't review a book after reading the blurb. You review yeah. the book after you've read the entire thing. Or you wouldn't be much of a re- reviewer. So when people would assess a segment and go, that was fucking stupid, oh, so-and-so's getting buried, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. give it a few months. That's, yeah. you know. And... Um, and people go, no, you know, because Twitter gives you access now. Like, no, no, no. It's like, well, you can't have an opinion now. It's, it's a long-term thing. It's like, no, no. It's like, no. It's it's the first week of something. It's like, no, no, no. I go, oh, for fuck's sake, all right, then, three stars. And they're sort of, in, they're sort of encouraging it with, like, the, the uh, hashtag ticker feed they've got going along. Like, during, like, it matches, it's like, well, have your opinion about the previous segment. It's sort of... A. Yeah, right? Like, uh, like, who the fuck is doing that? No, I, I, it really oh, angers I Sorry, me. Sorry, I, I, I said who the fuck is <laughs> that? Me, I do it. I can't live tweet. Well, there's very few things I have live tweeted. I live tweeted the Olympic opening ceremony. I tried to live tweet the BAFTAs this year, but I gave up as the second award because fuck awards ceremonies. I can't be bothered with them, particularly the Slammies. But... I just can't do it. I can't do the dual screen. It's also just... Who the fuck cares about what I think in this moment? I don't care about what I think in this moment. I mean, like, I'm I'm at minute 59 of a podcast, but this is stuff that I've considered over time. What I'm thinking in that moment is... I'll probably change in a few moments' time when I think about it a lot more. it's, It's a curious thing. That we should always be right at any moment. I, I mean, I, I found out that I average like one tweet a day. Um, and that's... You think like the, the Olympic ceremony, I must have tweeted 40 or 50 times. So there must be months where I don't tweet. And I'm curious about that with you, Matthew. Uh, as a high-profile internet persona, 
do you feel like it's a part of your job that people who want to can hear from you sometime every day? Do you feel like every day you've got to make the internet know that I'm still here, please keep following me? Um, do you feel pressured into that? Sometimes, definitely, because you want to feel like you're on the cup, cusp. Cusp? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I am on the, yeah. I'm on the edge. The edge of the city of tomorrow, <laughs> or the fuck that Star Trek yeah. was. Um, yes, definitely. And but then they're like, it's the problem because Twitter is such an interesting device because yes, instant jokes, instant this, instant that, but fuck it being such a small way of conveying something. It's 140 characters. I mean, fuck. You know, there's mm. that you couldn't explain or quote anything Shakespeare ever did in 140 fucking characters, you know, and probably get yeah. the full quote across. It, it, so it's, so you generally get a point, cut out all the fluffy bits and then try and fit it in and compress it. So it's like, uh, it's like a horrible director's cut. Oh no, not direct, like the, the Terry Gilliam thing you brought up before. It's like the good ending version of Brazil. You know, you cut out all the negative bits. I'm not sure if you ever saw that, but, um, yeah, don't watch it. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, cut out this because so it's like, Matthew, what do you think of the Rey Mysterio Jr. killing a guy? I'm like, well, it won't be in the fucking videos. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll put that, but then because it's online, there's no emotions, there's no smiley face or sarcasm or whatever the fuck. It's that can then be seen as, oh, phew, Matthew has got my respect. He's not going to put a dead guy in fucking Botchmania. Good for him. But then also, oh wow, of course he's talking about his own videos and a guy dies. What an egotistical Matthew bastard. So it's weird. Yeah. So you. Every time I've said something's been taken the wrong way and then I guess balances out the times I've said something and people go, oh, that's funny. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. That was a pun. Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's all pretend I'm smart. Um, <laughs> so it's fun. I like the challenge of it, though. I won't lie. It's, it's always like, how can I remain relevant while it's not selling my soul? You know, Matthew, what do you think about? I don't give a fuck. Hey, how about <laughs> this? You know. So now it almost becomes like, oh, he's being, he's selling a joke, but it's like, no, it is my real opinion. You know, <laughs> people are asking me now, um, what do you think about the build about WrestleMania, Matthew? Now I'm there going, you're right. What am I going to drink on that day? <laughs> Cooch, rabbies. You know, it's such a dilemma. There's, there's a line in the social network where Mark Zuckerberg is being bollocked by that character that Aaron Sorkin basically invented. And she says to him, because he'd said those horrible things about her on the blog, that the internet's written in ink. What you say will last. Oh, yeah. And, like, in your latest video, uh, there's a bit where Mike Quackenbush is in the ring with his walking stick, and the crowd's giving him a round of applause, and then as it dies down, one guy yells out, You can still beat Draws! Ah! And that guy, obviously, that's going to live forever now, because he didn't think it through. And it's always going to be there. And the internet now is such that that guy, it was a dick thing to say, but in that moment, I'm sure he thought he was around a good company and everyone would get the joke, because we'll all make bad taste jokes around our friends. Daniel Kitson's one of my favourite comedians in the world, and he did this great routine about how a friend of his uh, was coming back from, he'd been around the world or whatever, and he was excited because he was the one person he could be ironically racist around. But the internet 
it's it's just a constant means of getting embarrassed. Like you've got Seth Rollins with the dick pics. He was being embarrassed online whilst Raw was happening live at the same time. And and that's the thing with Botchamania. You've always got to have your own parameters. You know, you won't do the Paraguayos. You won't do the Owen Hearts. Only... I think you said only one person's taking you to task about being on Botchmania. It was some uh, CZW wrestler or something. Nah. <laughs> but it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. And a side note, thank you very much for saying that, by the way. People would request incessantly Owen Hart and Mass Transit. and Mass Transit is a lot of dark humor involved in it, but, you know, the guy's mm-hmm. dead now. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, Owen Hart. Uh, some of the ones, I can't remember the top of my head. But, you know, oh, Draws, as we just said. You know, I'm like, Christ, you know, it's supposed to... Early on in the videos, I started putting in and realized, you know, this is as the epic fail trend started. And it's, you know, like, uh, it's logical conclusion of, you know, uh, 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 woman got hit by car. She dead. <laughs> Lol. You know, I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I started putting like compliments to people and be like, uh, Sanjay Dutt was the first example because yes. I was Sanjay Dutt. And, you know, and it was always good, always good being a, an, well, I'm mostly a CCW fan at this point, not as much as I used to be, but... Everyone would shit on CZW, and I'd be like, you know, fuck this. And I'd be like, yeah, stupid CZW. is like, Briscoe Brothers started off there, Sanjay Dutt started off there, and all this. So I was like, you know, uh, these guys as well. Um, so I'd put, like, Sanjay Dutt deserves better, which was half it. It wasn't supposed to be, like, a forced meme. Nothing in the video is supposed to be a forced meme, but it's like, uh, people like familiarity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like putting that down. It's like, yeah, hey, I, I actually like wrestling. <laughs> this isn't done by a guy who's like, fucking gay people. It's you know, <laughs> I rest them fine. And it's like, yeah, Sanjay Dutt, you are awesome. Don't let these shit matches get in your way. And Sanjay Dutt is one of your online, I don't know if you call them friends or acquaintances, but he is a mutual fan of yours as well. How does that feel, having rest, having a relationship with certain wrestlers? Do you ever feel like you might be conflicted? I remember Scott Keith saying he was in regular correspondence with Edge, but then he said something critical about one of the matches he had with Eddie Guerrero. And Edge was upset from that, and they they lost contact with each other. Do you ever worry about hitting that fine line? If if Colt Cabana does something stupid, um, do you include it in the video? Or and if he moans about it, you would say sorry, but it was funny. Um, hmm. Well, I've always um, told people, um, and then a few of them, I won't say the names because that would uh, negate the point. But when there's been a few botches, and I've, I've noticed on Twitter, like so and so and so and so, oh, they're following me. Good, I can send them a thing and go like, hello, and always respectful, you know, like, oh, oh, so and so, blah blah blah. I've got this clip. This happens. It looks like you're in a shitload of pain. Uh, would you mind me putting this in? I'm not trying to kill careers here. Absolutely fucking not. It's it's you know, thank amazingly actually that so many wrestlers like it. But I'm always, um, not always, but sometimes I've had the ability to ask them beforehand. I will say, do you want me to put this in? And I'll say, and I'm absolutely not going to worry or complain if you say no. No worries. There's always other people that are fucking up. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because there's only been one example someone put a clip online and said, yeah, yeah, this is just to explain why he's not at the shows. Please don't put this in. So it's fine. Every wrestler's been okay with it. Apart from Joe Gacy, which funny mm-hmm. enough, um, he wasn't complaining about being in the videos. He was complaining about me saying he was the worst CGW wrestler of uh, 2012, <laughs> I think. Which is funny because 
I do the things, the CWB manias and all this, because I still watch the shows. Even though I put <laughs> why I thought he was the worst wrestler, i.e. it wasn't just him, it was the booking. He went from... For the people listening to this that don't know CZW or Joe Gacy, and I don't believe him yet, um, Joe Gacy was a, in a tag team with a guy called Ryan Slater, was a pretty all right tag team, I thought. Um, and then he turned on him, uh, Chuck Sandman threw a microwave, and then was almost immediately main eventing with no build. Uh so I said it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's like one week the champion's wrestling a Davy Richards type or the other, like Sammy Callahan or one of the other top CGW guys or a guy they've flown over. And then it's like, oh, and there's this guy. You know, um, so that's why I put it. And he didn't see that. He didn't read it. Didn't care. He just saw we're a CGW wrestler. Which, on another note, no, no fucking CGW references ever messaged me and said, thank you for me, uh, saying that was the best CGW wrestler of the year. So it's like, all right, fuck you. Um, <laughs> It was funny because then he went on Twitter and said, how, how does, oh, what was it? How does Matthew even know what clarifies as a botch or not? To which point I responded, by watching your matches. Um, hey! Because it was such an easy setup line. Um, and I put, wow, you're doing a, and he tried to like, you know, talk smack like it was eight mile. Um, it was just like, yeah, you put, lots of people are talking about Joe Gacy this evening. They're all saying, who the fuck's Joe Gacy? <laughs> That was good, and now I've, I've, I'm now I've had the chance to say that and laugh about it. Now I will happily say he's gotten a lot better. Now he's not fucking main event, and you know some people are not meant the main event. You know I like D'Lo Brown. I will always like D'Lo Brown. Um, do I want to see D'Lo Brown take on fucking Batista? It's like no, <laughs> no, I don't. I want to. Or D'Lo Brown in the mid card. I'm happy with that. That's not not an offense. So I'm happy to say he's improved and say that. You know I'm you know I'm not. Uh, there's no point holding grudges with people. There's no like I, I don't feud with anybody anymore. It's not it's not fun. The only feud I can get something out of it, and if it's just you know little shitty internet guy feuding with virtually unknown CGW wrestler, it's like well <laughs> fuck it, Matthew. You know if you're a good guy, you'll do something else. Um and sorry, I'll, at the end of another point, what were you going to say, Logan? We'll we'll talk about the Montreal Screwdriver for a whole of episode, obviously, but. But that was one of the first times where the reality of wrestling really blurred together with the internet. Um, it was the internet that told me what the Montreal screw job was because I didn't get to start watching wrestling again properly until about two months after that. And the WWE will try to alter history. Um, and they would allude to it, but they wouldn't tell you specifically what had happened. So I had to go online and someone, I think it was an RSPW or something like that, had done a full exact history from probably taken from the Wrestling Observer really really full and detailed which with Dave Meltzer what's interesting uh, I always hated going to the Wrestling Observer because he never gave you anything online he held it back and I didn't I couldn't subscribe to the Wrestling Observer back in those days and now he's still reaping the benefits from that policy and like, I'm a huge fan of private iron. They've always been pretty anti-internet. They've always held their own things still for their print versions. And, and you know, you're always told if you hold, if you aren't online and, and have a big online presence, you won't get your fans to stick with you. But you've got Private Eye, Wrestling Observer, you've got Daniel Kitson. I mean, not being approachable work for Stanley Kubrick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would hope I was was the same as well, to be honest with you. In the jet, I would hope I had that same approachable, but not always answerable. Mm. (laughs) That's horrible, sorry. (laughs) It's hard to to be, it's hard to pull off the Kubrick, or Mm. um, it was a guy who was, um, 
the aviator. Uh, 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 Howard, Howard, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Shit, Howard Hawks with the Scarface. Um, Howard yeah. Hughes, beg your pardon. Um, yeah, it's hard to pull that off and be online because it's like it's almost like fucking lawnmower man. The sense yeah. that you're you're a personality online. You are a thing. You exist in this HTML BB code thing that shuts off when you switch it off. But you can yet be elusive and not going to every single wrestling show ever in real life. It's it's a bizarre thing where you can be both elusive and yet all over the place. It, it, it's insane, really, when you think about it. Um, but I like that. I like having basically having my, my my cake and eating it, where I could be a miserable antisocial bastard and still, <laughs> hey, talking to thousands of people. Um, <laughs> and sometimes people will send me shit I don't want to reply to. You know, it's hard to it's hard to know what to say to be honest with you when someone gives you an ending. Where some guys died and they're like, you should put Mario music over this. <laughs> what I was going to say, one of the things I think Botchamania has also shown is I think that there is now, and after 20 years of it, I think there is, especially on the indie scene, what I would call the internet style of wrestling. We had the British style, the Japanese, Lucha Libre. We now have the internet style, which is... Influenced by people going on YouTube or going to tape traders before then and getting to read about different and and look at old archive footage and then they fuse it all together. It's like a they're trying to make music videos in the video. That's they're making music videos in the ring. They're they're just about montages that will look great in a music video not necessarily within the context of a match like the worst examples are the people that are on Botchamania, the people that don't bother to learn how to do a headlock takedown but they do try and do a 450 acai moonsault off the second rope, whereas the, the, the better end of the scale is the people that you see on those amazing pro wrestling gorilla DVD trailers um, when when I'm I'm going to William Regal's Q and A in a few weeks time, and I'm, I'm I was wondering to ask him if that that pure British style of wrestling, if it doesn't exist anymore, that you have proponents that people like Colt Cabana and Zack Saber Junior. and and Timothy Thatcher have watched those videos online, and then they've also incorporated whatever they might have got from watching New Japan Pro Wrestling in the 90s and the indie wrestling of Ring of Honor in the early noughties. I mean, this is all just a theory of mine. Do you you think there's credence to it, Simon, that there is now an internet style of wrestling? Like, Vince Russo, and I'm loathe to usually cite Vince Russo, but I think he was on the mark here where he said that wrestlers now grew up playing computer games and they do a computer game style of wrestling which would go with my probably what i perceive as the internet style of wrestling just thinking about the the cool move they're doing with the killing in the name of soundtrack that they could have accompanying it later on i mean this is just me putting it out there and i'm just curious to see if either of you would agree with that I, no, I definitely think that there is an internet style of wrestling these days, and no more does it manifest itself in, than through the overuse of suicide dives. The suicide dive is like the ultimate highlight reel package uh, manoeuvre if you pull it off successfully. If you don't, you end up on botch mania. <clears throat> but as a result, it, every, like, every single like major match that I can think of recently within like most promotions... At least one guy's trying a suicide dive, unless it's like an absolute power, like powerhouse versus powerhouse scenario. I mean, you're not. Go- Hopefully, you're not going to see one in the main event at Mania, 
Um, but the thought of Brock Lesnar diving between the uh, second and third rope uh, fills me with... Like, it, it, it's an interesting thought to have. But everyone seems to be going for the like the cool style. I mean, some you could argue some of that's showing through in NXT sometimes with people kicking out of moves that shouldn't really be kick, being kicked out of. And I think that's very much towards your video game point as well, that... If you're that good at like bashing buttons, or you can get the bar and the kind of thing, you can kick out of anything, and it's starting to bleed through into the uh, art form of wrestling itself in some ways. I would agree generally with what you're you're saying. Um, I, I wouldn't, I haven't called it internet wrestling. That's a good term for it actually, because I've just been calling it um, lazy American wrestling. <laughs> As I was having a debate with someone recently, um, because basically. Not generally speaking, but the Americans aren't getting Grado. Um, and I was explaining them some of the, you know, is it, they were asking, is it a cultural thing? And they were saying, is it like freight train? Is he supposed to be retarded? I'm like, no. Is this what passes as humor in the UK? I'm like, you cheeky bastards. Um, the thing I was trying to explain was the, oh, oh I forgot what I was going to say. The, in the UK, British wrestling, crowds have generally been more around getting behind the characters and the story of the match again that's a huge huge um, summary that is just as wrong as it is right I admit but every UK show I've been to you know not like the huge mega shows like Progress or ICW or whatever but you know little ones like IPW UK or whatever where it's in front of families with kids and old people and young people it's generally you know Yay, come on, good guy, yay, clapping, yay, you know. Whereas when I went to America, and I've been a few times, but I went to a Ring of Honor show, and they called it a house show. Then they released it as Ring of Honor Underground, which again was thought was, uh, okay, right. Um, and the crowds there are more into just the action. And it was like, it was a pop for the entrances, it was like, yay, so-and-so, yay. And then everyone just sat on their feet, waiting for them to do moves. And to the point where just deafening silence is happening, and maybe in someone like either it was Steen or Cole or David Richards or whoever the fuck, um, and someone goes, "This crowd fucking sucks," and start banging the security guard rail as loud as possible. Come on, let's go, Kevin Steen. Uh. Um, and as a result, all the wrestlers would come by our end of the arena, well, not arena, but uh, school hall, and do moves near us instead because um, we were fucking reacting to it. Um, so when I see matches now, and it is definitely segueing itself into UK wrestling more and more. You know, the, oh my God, he did a move that looked like he killed him. One, two, oh, I kicked out. Like, oh, well, okay, that was a fucking waste, wasn't it? Um, and I do think there's way too many kicks out um, in wrestling nowadays. Uh, like, come to a completely necessary degree. And to me, it's weird. It's like they're doing more uh, on their body, more on the ring and all this when it would be better if they did less. So it's lazy by not being lazy. <laughs> that makes sense. It's like, if you stopped and fucking addressed the crowd and went, shut up, you old woman, you get a much better reaction than doing a 450 kick flick McFlip. Um, no. But that's the same thing. I mean, they, they, I do like the world of sport wrestling and that yeah. tile, and I don't think it's dead or anything like that, because, well, no, not sorry, that is, that is dead. But the sense that the UK crowds can go and cheer the fuck out of some guy regardless if they're resting well or doing you know 1080s uh, is still there definitely I guess the question that I'm going to try and ask William Regal if I can pluck up the courage 
and try not to sound like a complete pretentious wanker in doing it is like could you take an 18 year old kid now and and try and and train him into becoming Johnny Saints but to get back to well we're get we're coming towards the end now and there's loads of stuff I wanted to talk about the the intention before this is to make this part of a trilogy of episodes. This one we're talking about the internet itself and how it's changing our perspective. We want to do a follow up episode about the smart wrestling fan, what they are, how have they changed, what is the internet wrestling community, is there such a thing? And we'd also like to do about an episode about star ratings, about how that might be affecting things. Um, also, Simon, we're going to be doing a mini episode, hopefully, about the Max Landis million view video wrestling isn't wrestling uh, we're not really going to get the time to talk about it now because we need to make our way to Mount Rushmore but very quickly Matthew have you seen wrestling isn't wrestling I read on his reddit AMA him doing a little um, CZW Jesus reference um, and I was just wondering what your feelings were about the video if you have seen it I liked it it was weird in the sense that me being an old man and always been analytical there were bits where i went hang on yeah and the style in itself was not one that grabbed me the entire way but that's nitpicking it was nice it's it's weird because i live in a world my own little world obviously where my friends like wrestling my family's okay with me like i'm wrestling when i'm 27 i have many fans mm-hmm. in real life and online wrestling i don't need to address the fact that i'm a wrestling fan with people when i was at work and people were going are you that wrestling guy I'll go, yeah, take like, you know it's fake. I'll just go, the money isn't. They yeah. the fuck up. Um <laughs> you know, that's how I dealt with it. It's never been like, you know, it's it's almost getting annoying. It's all, it, it's up there with the you know, justice for divas, divas can wrestle too type things that are happening now. Since like, oh wrestling wrestling fans get a lot of shit from people, it is real. I'm like, what the fuck, do they? Is that still a yeah. thing? Is that is that a thing I care about? No, I haven't you know. But then that's me living my own world. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's just as many people who, you know, like, ah, you like wrestling, fucking dickhead. Um, and they can look, be shown wrestling as wrestling, and some guys can go, oh, okay, I get it now. That's fair enough. And, uh, and yeah, and it, there were many points where it would basically say, yeah, wrestling fans are, uh, yeah, they're the own worst enemies. And yes, they are. And I've said as many things wrong as I've said right, and I'm not going to stop. And and that's just way of being a wrestling fan. It is. Um, so, yes, I will begrudgingly say it was great. And Max Anderson has been very polite with me on Twitter, so I'll say that much. And his dad was a good director as well. <laughs> and Simon, do you have any closing thoughts before we get to Mount Rushmore? Um, well, I, I really enjoyed wrestling isn't wrestling because, unlike Matthew, I've had, I think... My, some of my friends love the fact I'm a wrestling fan because they are wrestling fans themselves. Um, some of my friends, and particularly my my flatmate, um, he's he's getting more and more into wrestling, but he didn't seem to comprehend it at first, uh, just my level of love for it. And I think things like Wrestling Risen Wrestling is basically the visualisation of why I can look beyond the botches and look beyond the gaping plot holes that sometimes appear because there's always a nice, coherent thread and character development with it. And I, I really liked it in terms of, as well, um, especially the Goldberg coming at the end. That came out of nowhere. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's a really great way of showing... If I if I was to show a non-wrestling fan why I like wrestling, I would show them that. I think it sums it up quite nicely. 
Okay, so we are now on our long scenic journey. We're reaching its near end, philosophizing about all these things. We're now looking at our Mount Rushmore of internet and wrestling and when they've interacted. And we're all going to give our definitive moments and we're all going to have to come together and agree on what is the one true definitive moment of the internet and its influence on wrestling. Simon, would you like to go first? Or Matthew, would you like to go first as the one that's new to this? Well, I was looking at um, some of the best examples of the internet now with health wrestling. And then I thought no one would want to hear it. So I found this cracker instead. Um, TNA. Eric Bischoff debuted a ranking system that would be voted on by TNA fans. The person who ended up number one would earn a title shot. Fans were quick to give Desmond Wolf a landslide victory, mainly because the system TNA was using allowed multiple votes. Bischoff's response to this, he had Wolf get squashed by RVD in mere minutes. The fans tried again the following week, and Wolf won again, only to get squashed again. The ranking system was then discontinued, and Bischoff then took every opportunity to bash wrestling fans in any interview he did. Wolf was really seen around the main event scene after this. And then they fast forward. In the same year, TNA thought it was a good idea to do fan voting for a contender again to who would face Devon for the TV title. We all knew what happened last time. So this time, TNA picked four possible contenders every day from Monday and let the fan voting commence that Thursday afternoon. The first week it happened, Jeff Hardy was given a shot and the match was thrown out due to Robbie E interference. The next week, there was no fan voting and Robbie E was given a shot with Jarrett Bischoff in Devon's corner. This was later forgotten about and Devon Robbie became a regular feud, and all their matches stunk. If you didn't remember that, uh, the four-way King of Twitter match they had on Raw a few years ago. Oh, God, yeah. That ended up on a cracked article on... Ah, I forget what it was about, but it was the thing... Oh, it was like how modern trends are killing entertainment, um, which I agreed 100%. Um, in a weird way, it doesn't appear that Twitter actually gets money from WWE, which is quite staggering. <laughs> considering the amount of times it's infused with what they do. On a positive note, I would say YouTube. Mm-hmm. For obvious reasons. <laughs> if not for my shit, then for other people's shit. And the fucking days of footage, be it from Japan, Mexico, England, world of sport, every type of genre under the sun, and ones that you didn't even know existed until now, are available for yourself. Until they get taken down for copyright infringement. So that's three. Have you got a fourth one there, Matthew? Uh, WWE Network. Okay. Simon, what are your four? Uh, well, I'm going to go straight out the bat and mirror Matthew with the WWE Network. It, it's, it's just brilliant. It is like uh, the red tube for every wrestling fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly like red tube. No one's making any money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other an internet moments. Um, it's hard. I... I really love wrestling memes, especially the whole uh, campaign against poor Emilio after his uh, outlandish boast. <laughs> uh, but that I think that that, that really links to your point earlier, where you uh, quoted the social network: the internet is definitely written in ink, and you are a print screen button away from getting yourself into a lot of trouble. <laughs> um, secondly, I'd go for it's. 
I like YouTube comments purely because I'm the kind of guy that likes reading Daily Mail comments just to go, wow, people really are that stupid. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to have YouTube as such, but I'm, I'm going to have the comment section of YouTube just as, just because it's a source of amusement, um, if not about wrestling itself, then about humanity Man. as a whole. <laughs> yeah. And my final point is, uh, you alluded to it earlier, but Really, really, really outlandish wrestling rumours, like uh, Orton to TNA because he prefers like Florida oranges or something as ridiculous <laughs> as that. Okay, so that was uh, okay. So we've got your four. I'm also going to have the network. So that's our definitive internet and wrestling is the creation of the network. And to give WWE credit, they did this before HBO. There's not many other companies that can probably do what they're doing, which is offering only themselves as their product. It's not like Netflix getting bits of everyone. Uh, This is just what the WWE... I mean, HBO are doing it. Now, Disney could probably do it. The closest thing you've really got is the UFC Fight Pass. But they don't do all the live shows, which is what Dana White said he didn't understand. And you can see where he's coming from with their struggles to get to a million subscribers. And also got there as a sub-bullet, like the whole iPay-Per-View culture that allows promotions like Chikara and Ring of Honor to... PWG don't do it yet, which is a bit surprising. But... That means that there's that great line a lot of comedians had that if you can find 10,000 true fans, then that is an easy living. And I think you're having that now with Patreon, Matthew, with finding that community. That loyal, small community fan base can be a means for people to flourish and, and do what they want to be creative. I mean, I could never get pub, I couldn't get this book published that I've written. It's just not really seems publishable but thanks to amazon i'm able to make it as an ebook and sometimes i'll leave wd.com to its own device and sometimes there's clearly been influence from on high um i remember vince badman the wd.com at some point and michael cole who was in charge of it at the time getting as close as he can saying fuck you in response but I've got to go, and so for that I've got to go with when the WWE just suddenly became Twitter obsessed, like like someone becoming a born again Christian or something, and having to tell everyone about it. The ongoing obsession with Twitter and the and the failure of tout would be uh, all one point. So that's two. Um, a third one would be a quick one from the archives from the way way back, and. Uh, it was when Scotsman, who was, like I said, one of my favourite internet personalities of that late 90s, going to war with these internet wrestling news sites and just saying, send them, send these people utter, utter lies and see who puts them up and who doesn't. And then there's a sign of maybe something bordering on journalistic integrity. There wasn't any then, there's not that much now, but it was, it was one of the first instances of Maybe you started to question not believing everything that you see on the internet. So I would advise some of you going on Web Archive and looking up some old Scotsmanality.com. Be forewarned, it was through that website that I saw Goatsy, and once you see Goatsy, you can never unsee Goatsy. I've avoided Blue Waffles and Two Girls, One Cup, but I can never quite eliminate Goatsy. So those, those are three, the network, WWE's obsession with Twitter, uh, Scotsman vs. the Internet. Um, the fourth one is something that I might make a mini-episode or something about this myself. 
And it's when Vince McMahon did an AOL chat in 1998, and suddenly the, the chat room was disconnected, and it was only Vince McMahon in there. And it was like a precursor to Cranky Vince, and eventually it became a window into the mad mind of Vince McMahon and what he will talk about when he doesn't have anyone to talk to. And this was the real Cranky Vince. Uh, He also gave some classic answers, such as um, when he was asked, what are you going to do with the currently underused light heavyweight division? He suggested we might have an influx of Ethiopian talent. Something about Yokozuna as well. (laughs) Yeah, he was on a diet. And then then he died of a heart attack about a year after that. I just really, really quick some morons like some quippy responses like um someone said, Will Sig come back? And he just replied, I hope not. Uh, so that was the uh, I think though we can all agree on the definitive one being the network and it, it's still an ongoing thing. You'll be fascinated to see what the network will be like in five years' time because they can't go back. The genie is out of the bottle. You can't go back to the old pay per view model. This is how the WWE will provide its main income source um, outside of TV. And it's pretty crazy. So that was our Mount Rushmore. So now we're going to get down to the contacts and the tweets and the social media outlets. Uh, Simon, if you want to get the ball rolling, how can people get in touch with you and what else can they find of you on the internet? Uh, Well, people get can get in touch with me on Twitter where I am Simon Cross Free because I uh I I my my granddad wasn't called Simon and neither was my father but um I just found the number free and chose to keep that because that goes along with my name. Uh I also do a football podcast known as Midtable Crisis uh with my good co-host Sir Tom Patrick. Uh we're taking a little bit of a hiatus at the moment. We're like uh between projects but we will be coming back soon to terrorize the footballing world as well as the wrestling world. And, of course, you've got Facebook and you've got the Let Me Tell You Something page. Mm-hmm. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple N. That's my Twitter handle. That's my Facebook name. If you want to read about these nostalgic memories that we've been going through and some more um, with some personal reflections, then get yourself a Kindle app or if you've already got an ebook, go to Amazon and purchase yourself a copy of my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Um, and yeah, that, that that's it from me. Um, Matthew, I'm sure there's no one listening to this that hasn't already heard of you, but if you feel like just giving people some more of your contact details, by all means do so now. Thank you very much. Um, I am on Twitter. Yeah, I know. Um, Matthew. Greg, M A F F, ha ha, E W G R E double G, ha ha. Old Jeff Garrett, I hope someone gets that. Um, there's the Facebook, the official Botchmania Facebook, which is Facebook slash Botchmania. And Botchmania.com, um, and also Patreon, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, these are the ways in which I communicate to you that a video is out. I still get pe- messages from people saying that I don't make it easy enough for people to find videos. But outside of coming to your house, like a Domino's Pizza <laughs> Boy and shooting you in your face, I don't know what else I can do. Um, very sorry for this, but if you're watching my videos, thank you very much. If you want to 
cheap, stupid laugh. Um, the occasional mention of Sonic the Comic and fucking Majora's Mask or whatever <laughs> the hell I'm playing or reading at the minute. Um, Twitter is definitely the thing for you. And for stupid pictures and no goatee, I promise you, but now you've mentioned it, it's in my head. You know how it is. Um, well, better in my head than in the... Yeah, I was about to say, head, in uh, front of your face. Then the Facebook's probably the best way to go. Um, don't expect me to respond to you. That was supposed to be said jokingly, got no reaction, so that was a joke. <laughs> I, I was about to say, Matthew, I, I think it's because I, I appreciate that you're a very busy man. And it meant a lot for us that you took the time to, in what I'm assuming is a very busy time of year around WrestleMania, uh, to find some time in your schedule to talk to us uh, well over the time that we said we get this done in. I uh, hope you've enjoyed your time. It'd be awesome if you if you come back in the future and you can pick the topic of conversation, if you so wish. But, yeah, just one last thank you very much, Simon, as well. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, and thanks for coming. Thank you very much. On behalf of Simon Cross and Matthew, my name is Lorcan Mullen. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until next time, farewell, Fucking bullshit!